0: Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. We, we do this last Sunday in the series called Greater, and if you've been with us, you've seen that at the beginning of these, I've got these interactive polls that we take. And by the raising of hands, we vote on things, what we think is greater. So let's continue. I'm really excited about these that I've got for you today. Let's, um, let's, let's find out, what do you think is greater Lord of the Rings. Really? That's okay. Star Wars. Oh my goodness! Now, I did this in the I did this in the first service. How many of you Star Wars nuts have even watched Lord of the Rings? Let me see that. Okay, that's better than in the first service. They, you know, they were like Star Wars, and have you watched Lord of the Rings? No. <clears throat> uh, In commemoration of the fact that the World Cup just ended, and uh, we want to just take a poll. How many of you are into good old-fashioned American football? Figured that'd be the case. But watch this. There, we still got some diehards. Football. Wow. (laughs) Wow. There's more of you in in the second service than there were in the first. Um, This is like the motherlode one. Uh, I should have put this one very last. Somebody is probably going to have to leave the church over this one, all right? All right. Square donuts, pagans, all of you, pagans. Krispy Kreme donuts. Oh, my goodness. Now, how many of you have never had a hot, off-the-glazer Krispy Kreme donut? Raise your hand if you've never had one of those. I said this in the first service, this is possibly getting me fired, I don't care. Um, I've said this for years, taking a bite out of a hot, off-the-glazer, Krispy Kreme donut is like taking a bite out of an angel's butt. That's what it's like. <laughs> we're real around here, and we're real. Um, every year at Catalyst, there's a group of us that go down. It's different all the time. We need to, if you haven't been, we need to get you to go on that sometime. But we, we, it's, a very small, it's a very small group we take every year. But a lot of people have been. And one of the parts of the trip is every night on Thursday night, we go out and we get Krispy Kremes. And it's like God's will. Every night we do that um the hot light is on and the and the donuts are coming out of the glazer and we go you know press our little noses up against the glass and watch them go through and go oh look at that and i buy like three dozen unapologetically i buy three dozen i don't eat three dozen but i eat a lot of donuts (laughs) and so it's not it's not a big secret where i come down on the thing square donuts are fine okay they're they're great in a pinch i mean you can't go to atlanta to get crispy cream so Square donuts are okay, but I, you know where I fall on that. Okay, how about this one? Nutella. Okay, and then peanut butter. Now, again, how many of you who just voted peanut butter have never tasted Nutella? Let me see your hands. Oh, see, see, I think if you ever tasted Nutella, that would even out some. Um, Nutella is an interesting thing really good make you fat but it's really good um i'm not as i'm not as i'm not as apt to have uh, to split the church over that as i was the Krispy creams um okay now how about this one how about this one this will be a small demographic (laughs) andre the giant look at this this is awesome and then hulk hogan Okay, all right. Um, that was fun you guys are you guys are a lot of fun. What I tell if you're a visitor right now and you're thinking, "What kind of church have I just walked into?" Um, you have walked into a church full of a bunch of messed up people who are in their culture and experience different things and who take Jesus very seriously, but we don't take ourselves very seriously, okay. So we like to laugh at things like that, and um, you should too. If you don't laugh very much, you should laugh more. It's good for you. Today we're talking about the the last in our greater series, that surrender is greater than self-reliance. Surrender is greater than self-reliance. And I want to talk about this idea of surrender, but I want to talk about it in the area of prayer. That's where we're going to settle today. It's it's really cool that uh, Lizzie played uh, Take It to the Lord in Prayer. It was just beautiful the way she played that. And um, it's, it's appropriate because that's what we're going to settle on today. Prayer is an interesting topic because for most of you who grew up in the church or if you kind of grew up around church on a regular basis, there's probably not going to be anything in the message today that I'm going to say where when I say it, you're going to go, aha. You know, there's, there's probably not going to be an aha moment for you. It's, I'm not going to say something you're going to go, I did not know that. That's, it's not really that kind of message for those of you who've been in church for a long time. Because here's what I think, and I'm I'm pretty sure about this. You probably know that you should pray. And beyond that, you you know how to pray. Praying is really pretty simple. And if you say, no, Brad, I don't know how to pray. No, yes, you do. Praying really talking to Jesus is just like talking to your best friend. If you've ever talked to a good friend, you know how to talk to Jesus. That's all you gotta do. It's not anything fancy. You don't have to know special words. You don't have to doesn't have to go for a long time. We're gonna see that today. But it's just talking to God. It's just talking to your best friend. But at the same time, I would probably be correct if I said about you that your prayer life is lacking, right? I mean, how many of you, show me your hands, how many of you would say, my prayer life could be better? Let me see your hands. That's about what I thought. I mean, almost all of us in the room, if we're completely honest, we would say, you know, my prayer life, Probably could be, bet, be better, which it, it puts me in a weird spot this morning because you already know that you should pray and you already know how to pray. So the question is, what do we do with the next half hour? What do we, how do we talk about this? Because I could, you know, go into preacher ninja mode and, and try to guilt you into praying. I could try to make you feel really guilty because you're not spending enough time and you, you, you aren't doing it right or, or something like that. And you might, at the end of that, say to yourself, man, I, I feel so guilty. I should pray more. I should just, you know, Brett got to me this morning. I should just really pray more. And you might go home and pray like crazy tonight. And you know what would happen? Probably you'd wake up in the morning and throughout the day tomorrow, maybe you'd pray a little bit, but probably by the end of tomorrow, you would have settled back into the same routine that you currently have. Or, or maybe we could dig a little deeper and talk about why it is that we don't pray. And and I think that's what we need to do this morning is just, there's a lot of reasons why we don't pray. There's a lot of reasons why our prayer life isn't what it should be. I just want us to focus on a couple of them today. Um, There's a couple of things that I think cause us to stumble when it comes to our prayer life and things that kind of keep us away from having a a better prayer life. One, that we would be able to say confidently, no, I, I, my prayer life is a good part of my life and it's a, it's a good thing with me and God and, and I'm, I'm happy with the way it goes. So here's a couple of reasons why I think we don't pray. Number one, I think we just don't think we need them. I think we think that we don't need to pray. The reality is that many times we are like what Craig Rochelle calls functional atheists. They're people who have a a decent theology in their head, but when it hits the ground, it's not the best of theology. When it comes to real life, it's it's maybe not the best theology. Um, and, And I think that that statement that I just made probably covers a lot of us in the room this morning I mean I, I think there's a lot of people uh, who love God and and you know want to follow God and they I would love God with their whole heart but but their theology is good in their head but but when it comes to living it out and fleshing it out and trying to be what God calls us to that's harder and and um, that's most of us I think but You would never in a thousand years probably say out loud that you don't need God. Because we're smart enough to know you don't say that. You especially don't say that around church people. You especially don't say that in church. You're not going to say that, but you may live that way. And, And we can operate our whole life under this illusion of control. And we think, you know, I've got it together. Whatever the world throws at me, I can handle it. I've got this. Now, let me just stop right here and give us a warning. We have got some very talented people in the room, okay? Some of you are, are very gifted. Some of you are, are good at, at, you know, producing things. Others of you are good at, at making money. Some of you are good at, at with ideas. I mean, you're, you're very talented. You're, some of you are very accomplished. In some of the stuff you've been able to achieve in your life, some of you have set some pretty lofty goals, and you've been able to hammer out and and get to a place where you've seen some of those goals become a reality in your life um the way bill hybels describes it is your life is is very much up and to the right what that means is everything's going really good for you it's up and to the right you know and a a good graph always is up and to the right well that that might describe your life because we've got a lot of talented people gifted people that go to this church And things are good, and you might look at things and you say, man, everything's going my way, and I'm really able to get some stuff done. But then there's a danger that comes along with being what I would call someone who's on the fast track, someone whose life is up and to the right. The danger is that the more self-reliant you become, the more you come to see prayer as this kind of embarrassing interruption. It's this thing that you know, you, you don't probably feel like you do very well, and you probably don't feel like you do it often enough, and it's, it's just, when you think about prayer, it's like, yeah, I'll do that, but I'll do that later. I don't have time for that right now, and, and, and if you're totally honest, you're probably saying, I'm not even sure that, that I need to do that, and you say things like, I don't need it, or I've got, you know, I've got this. God, I can handle this. I'm smart enough. I'm talented enough. I can make things happen. I can do this whole thing on my own, and again, We would never say out loud that we don't need God, but inwardly, in the way we live, that's kind of what we say. And so I just want to throw this out. I'm not wishing bad on anybody this morning. I hope that your life continues to go up and to the right. I want that for all of you. I I want you to be able to smile and have great things in your life. I, I wish that for all of you. I don't wish any of you any ill will. But much of what I do as a pastor centers around someone whose life has been turned upside down what I mean by that is this if you you know if life smiles on you and you're able to get a new car I doubt seriously and I don't really want you to but I doubt seriously you're going to pick up the phone and call Brett and say Brett just wanted you to know life's good for me I just got a new car well that's great you you probably aren't going to call me when you get a promotion at work or a job and say Brett just want you to know it's up and to the right I got a job I got a you know got a promotion and raise I got whatever that's not when people call me you know when people call me bad news everything was up and to the right and then I got a note everything was up and to the right and then I went into work one day and they handed me this piece of paper and the boss looked at me and said we're downsizing and we really appreciate everything you've done for us but we don't really need your services anymore, and, and you know, at, at a, an age that you never thought, you're looking for a job again. It's when you go into the doctor's office, and the doctor comes in, and you can just tell by the look on his face, something's not right, and the news that you're going to get changes everything, and it happens that fast. That's when you call me, and it's okay. But here's the point. If you're on the fast track and everything is going okay for you if you're on the fast track and it's all cool and everything is up and to the right I'm so happy for you I hope it stays that way forever and ever and ever but here's what I know because my life is this way and I'm sure your life is this way it doesn't stay that way we all get bad news we all hear something and all of a sudden everything changes more than likely your life will not stay up and to the right all the time because life is fragile and it's more fragile than we realize. And it's a very dangerous place to be when you think about how self reliant you can be and you start to think that you really don't need God. For most of us, me included, I think it's easy for us to come to this place where we, we, we kind of see this compartmentalized spiritual activity, this thing we call prayer. And it's, it's compartmentalized. What do I mean by that? I mean, for most of us, I think that we split prayer out and we look at it differently than we look at other things in our life. For instance, um, we probably don't think about driving a car and praying at the same time. Some of you do that, I know, but, but, and hopefully you do it with your eyes open. That'd be great if you'd keep your eyes open. It'd be wonderful. Um, God doesn't look at you and say, oh, his eyes aren't closed. He's, I don't listen. You know, don't want to hear it. But, but for most of us, it's, we don't think about driving and praying. We don't think about going to a game and praying. We don't think about um, even being with our family at dinner maybe and praying. We, we think about prayer as something that is separate. It's a separate thing. It's something that you do in a, in a given amount of time. Okay, I've got 10 minutes here, that I'm by myself, and now I'm going to pray. And I'm going to do that in between you know, the kids getting out of practice and me driving the car to go home. And so that's kind of how we view prayer. You know, it's got a beginning and an end. It's got a dear heavenly father and it's usually got a thank you for this day. And at the end of it, it's got an amen because that's how we view prayer. It's all compartmentalized. It's a spiritual thing. We, we do it a certain way. And, and, you know, there's certain times we think about praying and there's other times we think, no, I would never pray there. But what I'm trying to get you to see this morning, maybe for the first time, I want to try to get you to a place where praying becomes a little bit more like breathing for you. I want you to start thinking about praying the way you think about breathing. The Bible uses this expression, pray without ceasing. In 1 Thessalonians, it says pray continually. How does that work? How does that work if you've come to view prayer as this compartmentalized thing that you only do at certain times? How do you Pray continually or how do you pray without ceasing? And I'm not suggesting that there aren't times that you shouldn't sit down Make some space and say god. I've got 25 minutes here. I want to give that time to you And I just we I need to talk to you. I need I need you to hear me I need to hear from you. These are the things that are on my mind. I'm not saying that you can't do that Certainly, there are times that you would want to do that and you know You have your list of stuff and you've got to talk to god about all that stuff but what I want to get you to is a place where prayer is not just a routine for you. Prayer is just not the same words you say over and over and over. Um, I, I know that when, when you're a parent and you're trying to teach your kids to pray and you teach them the little memory prayers, the little rhyming prayers, that's cool. But here's what I would tell you as a parent. Try to get them past that as quickly as you can. Try to move them to a place where they're using their own words and their own thoughts as quickly as they can i get it you're trying to instill the whole concept of prayer when they're little i get that but when they are able to get to a place where they can think for themselves and talk and say things you really want them to say use their own words and say their own prayers because what we want is we want prayer to just be a flow of who we are and a flow of of what's important to us and and what's going on real time in, in the moment um John Ortberg said this he said the goal of prayer is not to get good at praying and you know I never thought about that but I think that's how some of us look at praying sometimes like you know I want to get really good at praying no I don't care if you're really good at praying God does does not say this in heaven I want to listen to this prayer because this guy can really pray this guy over here not so much you're gonna have to wait I want to hear this prayer no, that's not how, you don't have to get good at praying before God listens to your prayer. Getting good at it's not the goal. The goal of prayer is not to set the record for the longest prayer, okay? I, I have literally heard people talk about somebody who prayed, and they, they'll say stuff like, oh man, did you hear how long that prayer was? God must have really loved that prayer. That prayer is so spiritual, That's just a great prayer. And I'm, I'm like, do you hear yourself? Uh, that you know, to quote a line from O Brother, Where Art Thou? That don't make no sense, right? But, but people think that because someone prays long or because they use big fancy words or because they were eloquent when they prayed, that somehow God must be way more impressed by that than they are with your prayer because you think, you probably think, I'm really not that good at it and I really wonder if God even hears me because I can't pray like that, dude. And God doesn't want to hear from me because it's, it's always the, I'm always worried about the same stuff. But to somehow think that because your prayers are long or because you're more spiritual than somebody, because you've got this great prayer language, the goal of prayer is to get to a place where you live all of life and you speak all of your words in the joyful awareness of the presence of God. Let that settle in on you. Prayer's not compartmentalized spiritual activity. This is what prayer is. The goal of prayer, I'm going to go slow, is that I want to live all of my life, I want to speak all of my words in the joyful awareness of the presence of God. So when you understand prayer in that way, you begin to see that prayer is not spending time with God in contrast to spending time with your friends. In other words, if you're with your friends, it doesn't mean you can't be praying doesn't mean that you spend your time in prayer in contrast to driving a car in other words you can pray and drive your car i do it all the time that's why i'm all over the road no i'm that's that's i do i pray all the time when i'm driving um it's not thinking about your career over here and then praying over here no you can do both and when you're thinking about your career and you say god this is kind of what i hope to accomplish in my career what do you think what would make me better at my job? What 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 do the people at work need from me as a Jesus follower? You ever prayed like that? God, my boss is a jerk. What can I do to help him? What can I do to make my boss less of a jerk? Or am I the jerk, and the reason my boss is a jerk is because I'm not very nice to him. And God, can you do something in me? See, it's just... It's a a flowing out of our life, the things that we're going through, the things that are important to us, the the things that we're afraid of, the things that we aspire to. So the second thing, the first thing is that we just don't think that we really need to pray. The second thing that keeps us from praying is we're just afraid that God doesn't like us very much. It's amazing to me how many people I meet who love God but are pretty convinced God doesn't love them. They're pretty convinced that, that God's really not all that crazy about them. In fact, they're, they're convinced that, that God's disappointed in them. I think if we're honest, there's a bunch of us that think that. We, we just think that God doesn't really like me, or God must be angry with me, or he's disappointed in me. And, and we don't tend to want to spend time with somebody that we think is disappointed in us. We, we're, we're not in a big hurry to spend time with somebody that we think is angry with us, right? Now, that sounds shallow, but that's true of your relationships. Let me illustrate it for you. There's probably somebody that you know right now. You probably don't know them real well. And when you think about them, you think, I don't really like them. But you don't know them real well. Now, don't nudge people and don't don't do that. Don't point. Definitely don't point right now. But if someone came up to you and they brought that person's name up, and, you, and it went through your mind, yeah, I know them. Don't really like them. But that, but your friend said, you know so and so, and you said, yeah, I know so and so. And you're trying to be good. And you're trying not to say anything bad. You don't want to gossip or anything like that. You say, yeah, I know him. And then they said, and they think you're awesome. They think you're the greatest guy or the greatest girl. They they were they were in the same room with you. Heard you speaking. They, they look up to you. They respect you. They think you're really funny. And they would love to spend more time with you. Chances are pretty good that they go up your relational ladder, right? You would hear that and go, well, they're not such a bad guy. You know, I've always liked them. Yeah, I like them. They're great. Because that's just kind of how we are. You would suddenly find yourself elevating them relationally in your life. But if I showed you somebody that just didn't like you, You wouldn't be in a big hurry to spend time with them, would you? And the way it works in our prayer life is that the more you believe that God is disappointed in you or that he's angry with you or he's disappointed with you, the more you're going to run away from him, not to him. And a lot of us don't pray just because we feel like God is deeply, deeply disappointed in us. When you have somebody in your life that that you think doesn't like you, you're not in a hurry to have conversations. You're not in a hurry to have dinner, right? You're not going to, i mean if you if there's somebody you know doesn't like you you're not going to look at your wife and say honey let's have them over for dinner tonight not going to happen who wants to do that you need to understand this god is interested in your prayers because god is interested in you okay god likes you that's probably the hardest thing i've got to convince people of in my job is to get them convinced that god actually likes them because i think a lot of people think god doesn't like them god loves to hear your voice he longs to be in a relationship with you where you talk to him and he talks to you he cares deeply about what's going on in your world he when when you're broken when you're hurt when things are are not going the right way that matters to god And God is interested in your prayers ultimately because God is interested in you. God wants to know you. He wants to love you. He wants to be in relationship with you. More than you being a nice person, more than you getting a good job even, God is interested in you as a person. And I think we really struggle with this idea that God wants to be with us. But in our minds, we say, well, see, Brett, I can't even see him. I mean, how am I supposed to talk to somebody I can't see, I can't hear, I can't touch him? I mean it's hard it's it's hard it is hard i get that and whenever i struggle with that i always go back to jesus you know whenever you are going through stuff and you're trying to figure out how to bring god into it just try to get back to the basics try to get back to jesus and and ask yourself you know what would god say how would god respond i want to look to jesus for that and there's a great story in luke chapter 10 if you've got your bible Turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to knock this out real quick. Luke chapter 10, along about verse 38, I actually did a sermon out of this passage I've done. I've preached on this several times. But there's a sermon on our website called Human Being. If you've never heard that, I don't do this very often, but I would encourage you to go online and listen to that sermon called Human Being because it's out of this passage and it's some of the best stuff I've, I've ever taught. Verse 38. Chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41. Martha martha now i'm just going to stop right there and tell you when the lord says your name twice you're probably in trouble okay probably in trouble he's probably going to get after you martha martha lord answered you are worried and upset about many things but few things are needed or indeed only one now when jesus this is just a bible study tip for you a little hint If Jesus ever says there's one thing that's most important, get your pen ready to write that down because you want to know what that is. Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Now, that's pretty serious. Martha, you got to get this you were created for a relationship with me. And all this running around and all this preparation that you're doing, I don't know if you know this or not, but I've fed over 5,000 people at one time. If I wanted us to eat, I could make a meal. We don't, I don't need you in the kitchen getting everything ready. When it's time to eat, I can get us to eat. That's not a problem for me. I'm Jesus. But Mary understands that I'm not going to be here very long, and she's been right here at my feet listening to me in relationship with me. While you've been in there getting busy doing all this stuff in the kitchen, you should have been in here with Mary. Martha, it's about being with me. See, I want to say this, and it's really important that you get this, because for years and years, Christians have not gotten this. God is more interested in you being with him than he is about you doing something for him. Let that trickle down. God's more interested in you being with him than he is interested in you doing something for him. There are an awful lot of people who are doing something for God, but they haven't spent any time with God. That sermon I talked about human being, the basic premise is there's two kinds of people. There are people in communion with God and there are people in competence with God. And Mary, as she sat at Jesus' feet, was in communion with Jesus. Martha, was in the kitchen trying to do a good thing but it it morphed into something that wasn't good because it got so up she got so upset she came in and she kind of scolded jesus and said tell her to help me and basically what jesus is saying is martha you've wandered off into competence and it's all about what you're doing mary gets it mary gets it mary's in communion with me she's in relationship with me and he's saying, Martha, I know you're distracted, but you've got to just come here. Come get in here with me. Come sit. Come listen. Let's spend some time together. I want you to look at me because I, I want to make sure you understand this. You are not an unwanted house guest with Jesus, okay? You're not an unwanted house guest. You're not a bother. You're not a pest. God is not angry with you. It amazes me how many people I run into who think God's mad at them. God's not mad at you. He's saying, come here. I want you to be with me. So I want to read a passage of Scripture to you from uh, I, Isaiah 55, and it's, you don't have to look it up. I'll put it on the wall for you, but um, it's, it's, I'm going to need to explain it a little bit. Isaiah 55 says this, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. Now, that's interesting it's an interesting combination, isn't it? I've, I've been privileged to eat at some of your houses, and when I go to visit you uh, and I come in and you're very gracious and you say, Brett, would you like uh, something to drink or would you like a snack or some, some food? Um, I've never had that combination offered to me before. Brett, would you like some wine or we have some milk? I mean, that's just a strange, right? I mean, that's strange. You know, that's not what you're offering people when they walk into your house. We have wine or we have milk? What would you, which would you like? typically in the old testament wine represents joy okay for some of you it still does represent joy and then milk in the old testament represents strength so really the invitation here is for joy and for strength and and what he's doing in the first part is he's removing all of your excuses because some of us would be tempted to say Oh, I'm not worthy of that. You know, I'm not worthy of God's joy. I'm not worthy of God's strength. I I can't have that. I can't buy this food. I can't buy what God is offering. God knew this. That's why he says there's no cost. Now, there was a cost, but it didn't cost you. The same way that when someone, you know, once in a while, if you go to a banquet of some kind and they don't charge you to get into the banquet, but you just get to eat the meal, somebody paid for that, okay? That's not free food. Somebody had to pay for it. And what God's saying is, look, there was a cost, but the cost was covered. It's been paid for in advance. So it extends the invitation in verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Is that you? Are you spending a tremendous amount of time trying to accomplish things, thinking if I could just get this done, if I could just, if I could just get this, I would be noticed. I would, then I, would, I wouldn't be thirsty anymore. I, w- I would have what, what, I would be full. Then I would be somebody. And Jesus calls out, and he says, I don't get it. I don't know why you do it. You keep doing all this stuff, and you're still empty. The second part of verse 2, listen, listen to me. Eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare." He's saying, listen, come close. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you, may have, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. God's saying, I'm going to make you a promise I'm going to promise you my presence. I'm going to promise you my support. It's sure, and you can take it to the bank. And he says, it's the same promise I made to David. Now, that's significant. Why, why is the fact that he's bringing up David significant? It's significant because David had quite a past, didn't he? David had a tendency to get lazy once in a while. Um, he would send his armies out, and David would not accompany the armies. One time he did, <coughs> he did that. He was a king. He was supposed to go off to war with his army and one time he stayed behind and when he did that he was out walking on his roof and he looked down and he saw his neighbor's wife taking a bath and he decided to watch that. Now guys here's a hint for you. It's okay for you to watch your wife take a bath. It's not okay for you to watch the neighbor's wife take a bath okay. Don't do it. It's not good and so that's not cool he ends up having an affair with her, she gets pregnant by him, and he has a choice. He can come clean and he can say, God, I'm sorry, I, you know, I, I messed up, I, if there was a way I could take it back, I would, but he doesn't do that. He's on the fast track, it's all up and to the left, up and to the right for David. You know, he's, he's a fast track kind of guy, and he's self-reliant, and so instead of confessing to God, he decides that he will fix it himself. And he does this. He he has the neighbor, Uriah, he has him murdered on the battlefield. What I'm trying to say is David has a list. I have a list. You have a list, right? What I'm saying is David's list is probably worse than your list. And God said, even David and his list and all his mess-ups, my love, my grace, my presence, my support. It's sure. It's true. It's for David. It's for you. It's for all of you. It's for every person who's ever messed up on the planet. It's for every person who feels far from God. I'm for you. That's what God would say. It's true for you. It is God's presence. It is God's support, and it is available to every single one of us. There was a cost, but the cost has been paid. You know, Isaiah 5 kind of reminds me of the, the Lord's Supper. We, we, you know, we, we recognize that at the beginning here. And in the Lord's Supper, Jesus is with his disciples, and he knows what's about to happen. And he says, guys, I want to do something that you're going to remember forever. I want to do something that, that even years from now, you're going to call it to mind, and it's going to be very special for you. Um, I want you to remember the significance of what I'm about to do, and I want you to remember the significance of this night. So they're having this meal, and he takes the bread, and he breaks it, and he blesses it, and he, he says, this is my body. It's been broken for you. He reaches for the wine. He does the same thing. He passes it to the disciples. They all drink. He basically says, drink my blood, which is kind of a weird kind of thing to say. And he said, every time you do this, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember my enduring love. I want you to remember my presence. I want you to remember the cross. I want you to remember grace. And he said, you're invited to this table. You didn't earn a seat at this table. The fact that you can come boldly, the fact that we come in here every Sunday and the fact that many of you wake up every morning or whenever you do your prayer time or your quiet time or whatever, anytime you go to God in prayer, and you boldly go to the throne of God, and you make a request, or you tell God what's on your mind, and we do that without any thought that he might just take us out right there. We do that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. We haven't earned the right to go to God like that. Jesus did that for us. It's a gift. You can't pay for it. You didn't earn it. But I want you to receive it, Jesus would say, because I want you to understand that I want to be with you. Jesus going to the cross is why we can approach God with great confidence. It's not about what you and I have done. It's about what Jesus has done. And hear me when I say this, it's not about who you are. It's not about who you are that says, well, I'm bad, I can't, you know, God do not want to hear from me. No. You can go to Christ you can pray to Jesus. You can talk to the Lord because of who he is. And he's full of grace. And he loves you. And he's, he doesn't, he's not disappointed in you. And he doesn't dislike you. And he doesn't look at you and think, oh, can I run the other way? No. If you're a parent in the room, let me say it like this. You know when you're a parent and your kids, and your kids let you down and they do things and you think, man, I wish they hadn't done that. I mean, that's, I hope that they would have done better. But your kids never get to a place where you don't want to hear the deepest parts of their heart, right? Your kids, no matter how much they misbehave, no matter if they break your best china, no matter what they do, you get angry and you get disappointed, but you never get to the place where you don't want to hear from them, right? You want to know what they're afraid of. You want to know what their aspirations are. You want to encourage your kids. You want to lift them up always, If you understand that as a parent, why can't you understand that in your relationship with God? He's crazy about you. If I want to see your eyes light up, I just ask you about your kids. You want to see God's eyes light up? Ask him about Cross Lane. Watch his eyes light up. He's crazy about you. He loves you. And he created you for a relationship with him. So when you pray, don't make it this compartmentalized thing. Let it be an outflow of everything you do. God, I'm here watching my kids play ball. This is just the most amazing thing. Thank you for my kids. God, I know I'm not the best parent, but I want to be. Show me what it looks like. If you're driving the car and somebody pulls out in front of you, God, I don't want to get mad at them. Maybe they're in a hurry. I want to pray for them. help me not get mad at them. You know, just let your prayer life be an outflow of your life. Don't compartmentalize it. Let it flow. Let's pray together. God, there's so much to follow in Jesus that people tell us that we ought to do or we got to do or if we're really Christians, we do this. It's really pretty simple. You made us for a relationship. Relationships are about communication. You want to talk to us and, and you want to hear from us. So Father, this week, would we just maybe take some baby steps where everything's not so compartmentalized and there's a time to pray and a time to drive and a time to eat and a time to work, that, but maybe that prayer covers all of that and we're so aware of your presence with us at all times and that this praying without ceasing is not some mystical, crazy thing that we can't wrap our head around, but it's just simply letting life flow out of us and we lift up our life as a conversation to you. That it's worship. That the way we talk to the grocery store clerk and the way we talk to the mechanic and the way we talk to the postman is worship. And the words we say can be greatly glorifying to you or the words we say can be greatly dishonoring. Help us, Father, to choose the former. Help us to lift you up, to worship you always. Father, we recognize this morning we're created for a relationship with you. We are so very thankful that you love us, you care for us, you provide for us. So Father, we're a grateful people this morning. We're on our knees in prayer, humbly telling you how much we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.